as we can go ahead and get started, if somebody can grab the uh, back kitchen doors, that'd be great for us to get started. We're just a couple of minutes behind schedule, uh, Big Church. That's what we called it when I was a kid. How many of you called it Big Church when you were little? Nobody else. I'm the only one in the room. Big Church. There you go. Maybe you have to be over 50 to do that. Big Church. There's Big Church and then there's Sunday School. And you know what? Junior Church as well. Uh, big Church ran a little over, but I think it was well worth the overrun. If you were in Big Church, you'll know what I mean. So this morning we're reminded about gratitude and the attitude that it changes. For those of you who are new to this class uh, or you've never been here before, I am a fill-in. We affectionately call those who fill in for Lou second string. He does not like that. And this is the most awkward moment in the world for me because Lou and Cheryl were not supposed to be here today. All right. So the quarterback is sitting on the bench and I'm the second string. That aside, we're going to let God's word stand alone without me. But I'd like for us, in the spirit of thanksgiving, to do what he has actually described in a moment of worship. And that is, for the smallest things, begin to give thanks. And I'd like for us to do that. We've done this a few times before in the last couple of years. Is to precede the phrase, Lord, thank you, and then you fill in the blank real quick. I'm going to do two that I was thinking of this morning during the service. I'll use this because it happened to me. Uh, seven months ago, I was hit by a drunk driver. I am honestly fortunate that my wife didn't have to put me in a casket. For real. He walks away with no injuries. I walk away with ten broken um, uh, uh, vertebrae, and only three of them were fixable. So, by all rights, I probably should be in a box. But to God's glory, I'm here today. Alright? That aside, I was thinking about this this morning as it was painful to get up out of bed. It really was. It was painful to even roll out of bed. But I'm thankful to God to be able to walk. So, thank you, Lord, that I can walk. I think about the song this morning. The breath that's in my lungs. Who owns that breath? Who owns it, guys? God owns that breath. Thank you, Lord, for the breath that I can breathe, even to praise you. Will you take a moment, popcorn style, receive the phrase, thank you, Lord, for And let's take four or five real quick. I won't be able to see your hands, so just pop them out. Family. Thank you, Lord, for family. Somebody else. And Mark was telling us it's been eight years, even though you guys have all been together. Everybody convened on the same space. Thank you, Lord, that we got to join that way. Somebody else. Freedom. Thank you for freedom. We get to do this in ways that nobody else does on the world. Nobody else. Somebody else. John. Thank God for my many prayers. For? He had answered the prayers that I was praying before I met Mary Ann. We wouldn't be saying that. And how many years, John? 57 in. And how many more to go? Another 10, 15, 20? Another 110. Thank you, John. 94 and 
Nine and four and three quarters. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for the blessing of sharing that with us.
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what might be in an envelope like this? Every one of you have handled an envelope like this. Well, I say every one of you. Every one of you over about probably 35. <laughs> younger, sorry. Anybody know what this kind of envelope might contain? Oh, some of you might have some memories of those. This is an old report card from, this is, is a family member. This is from 1957. Not mine. <laughs> I'm afraid I wasn't even a twinkle in my father's eye in 1957. So this report card describes our what? This one's from my father, by the way. Describes our performance. Why did we send these home with children? To torture them? Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody knows these were torture, right? How many of you have memories of torture? Oh, how many of you have memories taking this home and hoping that mom didn't know that the report card was sent home that day? Anybody have that? I do. If there was a C on it, I, I was worried about taking it home. Um, C would be great. Like, C, those are sweet. Yes, there was a D once in a while. I think I, I, think I, I got a D one time in Algebra 2. Uh, oh, my goodness. And that, that life had come to a close for, for me. But these are mechanisms to report what we're doing. And not only what we're doing, but how we're doing. And so it was kind of interesting on this one. Um, it's not just biology or math or English or comprehension. How many of you remember the other portions, the citizenship pieces? <laughs> this one's again from 1957. And some of you may have some memories of these because they use these all throughout the Northeast from about the Mason-Dixon all the way up. I've seen a number of this exact kind of report card. This one is from Pennsylvania, by the way. It says, cares for personal and school property. Uh-oh. Grandpa got a U. <laughs> Respects school regulations. Works well with others. Uh-oh, Grandpa got another U. <laughs> I'm telling on Jimmy's father and God my report card's not out here works neatly follows the directions of the teacher works well by himself neat and clean in his clothing and appearance sits, stands and walks properly the good old posture how many of you have ever been corrected about your posture from the earliest of days posture Stand up straight, chest out, stomach in. Salute. All right. Takes part readily in play activities. We sent that stuff home so that we could figure out where we were versus where we were going. On the back of your notes page, there's a report card. Now, there are lots of places in Scripture where we could put a report card together. But I believe Romans 12 is a pretty good and comprehensive package for the Christian life. Um, in Virginia, as a teacher, those of you who are in the teaching profession, you'll have heard of this before. 
We need profiles of a Virginia graduate. I think you've heard of that before. Two of you that are in the classroom, right? Profiles of a Virginia graduate describes what a public school kid ought to be walking away with after 12 years under our tutelage. Romans 12 describes what our profile as a Christ follower ought to look like. Again, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good and solid <laughs> list. So let's look at this piece together. Again, I don't know how far we get. The interesting part about this Romans 12 report card is that somebody else doesn't get to fill it out. You do. I'd love to have been filling out my report card. In fact, I got one paddling from school, even though corporal punishment was allowed all 12 years. I got one paddling in seventh grade. And, my, and then when I got home, I got another one. How many of you got in trouble at school and you got in trouble getting home? I'll never forget this paddling because I found a report from a teacher and I knew she was going to send home something about me that I did not want my parents to see. And so I filled out one on behalf of the teacher and I took it to my mother and had her sign it, thinking that I was a lot smarter than mother. Anybody ever tried one of those forgery opportunities? Yes. Yes. Go ahead, put your hands up. I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> and the school found out about it and said, Mr. and Mrs. Kirk, what would you like to do? Uh, would you like to suspend him or, or for two days or would you like to paddle him? Oh, well, that, that answer was real clear. They did not want me in the house, and so yes, I had to take some licks at school. Uh, and then when I got home, I, I got some additionals. Uh, those were, I, I'd rather the school do it than, than, the, than the home. But in this case, you do get to fill out your own report card. A lot of report cards from days gone by. We don't do this very, very often anymore. A lot of report cards have four or five categories that are not grades like A, B, C, D, or F. Did anybody know there used to actually be an E? There, there did. Back in the 40s and 50s and before maybe, there were categories of E. I don't know what that stood for, but there were categories of E. In these categories, I would like for you in lose encouragement to take the notes home no matter how far we get and give yourself a report card. How are you doing with your reasonable response to Romans 12? There's a space for satisfactory. There's a space for excellent. There's a space for needs improvement. And there's a space for unsatisfactory. I don't plan to play the Holy Spirit for you. But if you let the Holy Spirit, I've done my report card. I, I've done it. There are places where I know, hey, that, that looks pretty good. Not a pride space, but there are clearly spaces where it's unsatisfactory and where will needs work. Are there spaces where you need work? So continue with me. I don't have a uh, <coughs> prep for us to go. But if you have your dead tree Bible, or if you have a digital Bible, I know a lot of you have digital Bibles because I see you from the back on the other end when I'm using on the other side of this microphone. If you can grab those, we're in Romans 12. A lot of Romans 12 is included in my notes page. We're going to start off with the living sacrifice part. Romans 12 is divided into three 
pieces. And the first part is part one, living sacrifice. Paul spent, oh, I don't know, 11 chapters describing the graces of God and what God has done for us through his son. And now he spends chapter 12 as the launch pad for what to do about it. What is your response? God did this. Where are you? So it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This morning we heard about worship. This is rhetorical. Is worship just what we do across the hall? Yes or no? No way. Can worship be raking leaves at your house? Can worship be cleaning mildew out of the tiles in your bathroom? It depends on your heart's attitude. Worship is a 24-hour-a-day package. So the question is, what kinds of things does God desire from us? What's our reasonable response? It's your turn for a moment. Worship is where we're going to head. But what else does God require of us? Or what else, he, what, better yet, what else would he like from us? Your thoughts. Okay, I hear crickets. Obedience to his word. That's the first one I was thinking of. How many of you remember uh, the little kid song? O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. -E -E. How many of you remember that song? Three of you. Okay. <laughs> Obedience is the very best way to show that you... What? Believe. Obedience. That's a huge one. What else? Some of you are looking at me like... Oh, he sings too. I used to direct. Uh, I'm not. My wife is a musician. I'm not. But I used to direct the little uh, Sparks for for Kawana. Uh, and there's like 150k ones and two. You better know how to carry a tune with first first graders. And, and so yes, we. That, that's a first grade tune. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. What else does God want from us? Humility. Humility. What else? Acts of kindness. Say again? Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. What else? He gave it all on the cross. What is our response? We've got obedience. We've got humility. We've got acts of kindness. Is that it? Say again? He wants us to love him. That implies relationship. He wants commitment from us. In this chapter, we're talking about worship. How many of you have any kind of investments? That could be property, that could be your retirement account, that could be just savings, which you're making like 0.000001% on right now. But an investment of some kind, a physical, tangible investment. Put your hand up. Why did you invest in that stuff? What are you hoping for? You're hoping for a what? Return. A return. Sometimes that could be very low. Sometimes that could be very high. Depends on the risk that you took. What kind of risk did the Lord take at the cross? Everything. He put it all on the line. Do you think the Lord is asking for a return on his investment? Yes. He is. Paul tells us that based on all God has given, 
in Christ. He desires a return of his investment. Our reasonable worship is what he desires. That is a return on his what? He gave it at the cross. We give it by the day. He got our soul at salvation. He's asking for a living sacrifice on a day-by-day -day basis. Worship's not free, though. It's going to cost us something. Um, and there's plenty of examples in the Bible of what worship looked like. Can somebody check uh, one, two of these real quick while we're talking? Somebody find 2 Samuel 24, 24. Can somebody get that for me? And if so, holler out. I won't see your hand. Who can get uh, 2 Samuel 24, 24? Can you get that? And somebody else can get uh, John 4, verse 23 and 24. So we'll come back to those in just a moment. God has our soul at salvation, and he desires our physical bodies in daily obedience. In daily obedience to him. What does that look like? In our men's group, we've been talking a great deal about the parameters and the definition of what love is. How love operates from day to day. What does it look like to our spouse? And we have examined in great detail the word motivation. Because if my motives are wrong, is it really love? It's not. So we're looking at in great detail how that love package is available and what happens with it in the expression from day to day. How about that second Samuel 24, 24? So David himself paid a price for this act of worship. How about that John 4, 23 and 24? Does somebody have that one? And this cost us something. Old Testament, New Testament examples. So again, God has our soul at salvation. We commit to him as our Savior. But learning to commit to him as our Lord is an act of worship through our physical obedience. And we've looked at what that looks like. We, uh, we don't just offer God our bodies, but we're offering him obedience live out in our bodies. I often think, and then well, this one I come across the path, we've done this verse, I wouldn't say hundreds of times, but scores of times. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Does anybody have that verse memorized? I know it's been given on this stage dozens and dozens of times. Anybody have that? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Whatever that thing is. So... Again, we go back to raking leaves and getting mildew off the tiles. Could those be to the glory of God? Yes. 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 Could changing a baby's diaper be to the glory of God? Yes. Preparing a meal? Yes. Yes. Getting an oil change? Yes. Yes. You see, those are simple daily habits of things I'm going to do anyway. 
Yes. But are you doing them to God's glory? Recognizing who you're doing them for. That's really the encouragement that's out of this, chapter, out of this first section here. Our regular daily life, our comings and our goings, those are our acts of worship. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. What kinds of patterns does the world peddle on us daily? Can you give me some examples? What kind of patterns does the world give to us? I can think of one that's a big problem even in our own church. Spend it now, even if you don't have it. I'm not playing the Holy Spirit for you. I'm not. But it's plastic swiped across a card or placed into a chip holder a world pattern? Yes or no? Do we fall into that pattern? Sometimes we do. Are there any other patterns that you can think of? That's just one I just thought of right now. Patterns. What is the world peddling our culture? What is it peddling that we're supposed to swim the other way? Second. Me first. Me first. That is a huge one. <clears throat> Do it your way. We've heard this through commercials time after time after time again. Every fast food chain on the planet, you deserve it your way. Every shoe retailer that I know of, it's yours. Okay? God is calling us to a non-conformity here in our culture. He wants us to stay out of the world's patterns. So we worship God and give Him glory <clears throat> as we do this. And as we do that, He causes us to begin to think differently than the world does. Are they going to think that you are just a little bit weird if you're doing things against the tide? Are they going to think it's odd when you are kind to someone who's unkind? What does the world say do? He tells us about this later on. What does the world say do when somebody hurts you? I'm going to get my pound of, I might get it now, but I will definitely get it later. I, I think that all the time. I have to work. Uh, vengeance is mine, saith but. Uh-huh. So what does the world worship? We talked about just briefly some patterns, but what do they worship? Sports. Huge one. What else? Worship celebrity. What else? What are the world's idols, guys? Come on. Themselves. Themselves. Who else? Money. Pleasure. Do it now. No such thing as delayed gratification. What else? Superior opinion. Superior opinion. Somebody else. What is the world worship? What do they worship? Well, we're called to worship a little differently. Worship is the administrator, administration which then becomes the imitation. Once we are in a spirit of worship, we are admiring something. And what we admire, we begin to imitate. I won't ask you to read along. Jenny, can you find Psalms 115, 4-9 real quick? It's a shorty, but it looks like five verses. They have mouths that cannot speak, and eyes 
people revere, they resemble, either by ruin or by restoration. It's a quote by Greg Beale. He's a common author and theologian. So what we worship, we begin to imitate, and what we imitate, we begin to resemble. So worship is a very powerful and daily experience that will shape who we actually are. <clears throat> uh, this adjustment that we're talking about, doing it for God's glory in worship, this value adjustment is a correction where we begin to say, I'm more concerned with God's will than my own will. I care more about keeping in step with Him than I do about keeping in step with my own desires. Uh, our desires are addressed really well through our prayer life. Can somebody find James 4, verse 2 and 3 for me? I won't put him on the spot, but I know Roger said she has this one memorized. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel in place. You do not have because you have not asked God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask in wrong motive that you may spend what you get on your place. So if we are not properly calibrated, does it affect our own prayer life? It does. We're told here that if our motives are right, God will answer that prayer. But we're also told by contrast, if our motives are wrong, what do you say we'll do? What do you say we'll do, guys? He'll ignore it. He won't answer it. If the motives are not correct. <clears throat> There's a promise that comes along with this living sacrifice piece. Then, and I'm in, I think this is the backside of verse 2, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Key to recognizing his will is being able to respond quickly. Well, how can you respond quickly if you don't know the will? And the question I have for you is, can you know his will if you're not in relationship? So how does relationship develop? I want you to go back. How does relationship develop in our own human situation? What did you do first with the man in your life or the woman in your life to start that ball rolling? What did you do? You spent some time together. What else? I mean, wrote love notes. Well, I've got big packages of love notes in my house still. Yeah. I mean, you spent endless time on phone calls. And you paid for it in long distance, right? We mentioned that before, like a couple weeks ago. How many of you remember paying for long distance? Yeah. AT&T loved who you were. Yeah. All right. Today, we, we just paid for that up front in our, in our phone bill. But you used to have to pay by the minute. And I used to remember hearing um, on the AT&T calls, every three minutes, you'd hear a small, that was their little meter. They knew. And, and Jennifer and I spent sometimes way, way, way too many hundreds of dollars on long distance talking about absolutely what? Nothing. Sometimes we just sit and listen to each other breathe. Anybody ever remember, uh, I was going to go there. Anybody ever remember falling asleep on the phone with your lover? <laughs> I've done that a couple times. She in Pennsylvania, me here in Lynchburg, and we're like, I'm not hanging up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, I'm not hanging up first. 
You didn't. You just did not want to what? You didn't want to be the one to stop the call. Relationship began to blossom. That is what God desires of us. I don't want to hang the phone up. That daily communication is what relationship is. Part two of this. I told you we're not going to get that far. Humble service in the body. <clears throat> For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Here's where we develop a right view of what we do in the body. Sober. It's going to be without impairment. I mean, you ever seen this episode, those old episodes of Cops? All right? You've seen the ones who are actually drunk, and they've been pulled over, and they can barely think of their own name, and to think we share the highways with some of them? All right? They're not making reasonable judgments, but when we are unimpaired, we can make reasonable judgments about what God has given us. He asks us to do that in our language. Not being too critical of ourselves, and certainly not being too arrogant about ourselves. There's two examples here. I'm going to probably be a little bit, no, I don't have a verse for this one. I want you to think about Peter's opinion of himself. Did Peter have to get his hand smacked a few times? Yeah. He did. You think his opinion was a little high of himself? Just a little bit. I want you to think back in the Old Testament. You remember the stories of Gideon? Gideon needed lots and lots of confirmation. What was his opinion of himself? Probably a little too low. God asks us to be down the middle of that road. And balancing arrogance and humility is what he's, what he's looking for in our reasonable worship. That's that right view that starts with reflection. And that's where the report card comes in. If you're not reflecting, then you're not growing. Uh, that's one of the things that we have looked at all across the public school system. Sometimes maybe even a little too crazy. Those of you who are in the classroom, you know what I'm talking about. Reflect, 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 reflect. How did you do on that lesson? What did the kids master? Why have they not mastered more? Which parts did they not master? How are you going to go back and redirect that? Because that begins to drive what the new decisions are for tomorrow. If you're not reflecting, you're not growing. And that's where this report card on the back will come into play. I'm in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the other members. I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong to each other. And thank God... That there are people that have different functions. Um, Tish and I were talking about this a few weeks back. And she can't have, she has no clue how in the world I can teach middle school kids or high school kids. And I have no idea how she could possibly teach little booger pickers. All right. Are we gifted in different ways? Yes. We are clearly gifted in different ways. What God is saying is don't try to do everybody else's work. Just do your work. Lou has mentioned this a dozen times in the last year or two, that he's so thankful for all the people in this class 
who participate to make this class possible. I don't want to prepare donuts in the back. It's not my giftedness. Thank God that JJ does it. All right, and you guys should say thank you too, by the way. All right. <laughs> thank God that Cheryl makes phone calls when people are out. Thank God that, and I don't even know who anymore. Who does the meal train now? Is it Michelle? That Michelle puts meal packages together when people are in need. Dave, what does Dave do for you every week for the last six months? Somebody puts a lesson plan in your hand every week. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't. Somebody comes in here and sets these lights up. Sometimes we do it with fear and trepidation if they're even going to come on. But it takes a whole body to make a package. And when one part hurts, we all hurt. When one part is in pain, we all suffer. I, 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 I cannot emphasize this more even from my own uh, situation with my back. When there's just one little vertebrae that's got a little pinch in it, uh, I don't want to turn left or right, and nothing works, all because of one little nerve. In this passage, God is saying, I've gifted you according to grace. Some of you have different kinds of gifts. Will you use them? That's really what he's encouraging us to do here. So we've mentioned this many times as well. Isolation of members is Satan's tool to decay and rot. And when decay and rot occurs, we all hurt. That's why we come on Sunday morning. To re-energize. To refocus where we're at. In the body we find our function and we find our meaning. And this is God's appeal through Paul to do what you're gifted to do. Not what somebody else is gifted to do. Sometimes there needs to be a love sacrifice. But do what you're gifted to do. Not in a comparison mode. Uh, this morning I made a bad comparison. And I'm certain that Lou will get on me about it. I'm telling you I played second string. All right? Uh, when I was in high school, I played first string. I played first string center on a football team. They didn't want me catching the ball, but they wanted me in front. I used to be a little bit bigger than this. All right? But I knew what it was like to do my job. I didn't catch a football. Never caught even one that I can think of. But I knew how to snap my ball to the, to the, to the quarterback's hands and get them right where it was supposed to go. What happens if I got a broke finger? We got a problem? Yeah. We got a big problem. When the body hurts in one place, we hurt in all places. Um, I mentioned this not out of the church, but there are a lot of things I'd like to do that I'll never do. And, and you'll thank God for that. I want to be a, I'd love to fly a helicopter. Personally. You don't want me behind those two sticks. I, I, I want to do it. But it is not my giftedness. I don't have the skills. I don't have the talents. I don't have the eyes for it. Never will. But I'd still love to fly one. There are lots of spaces where we might want to try and experiment. But God has given us a gift. Are we using the gifts he's given us? I'm down to verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace of God. If you have a gift of prophecy, 
are prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. By the way, I know this list is not comprehensive. It's just an examples list. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. I, I can't help but think of somebody in this room that's so good at that. Um, Mark Rasson. And he won't like that I say that. But I will. I'm giving his praise for that. Mark is always in encouraging mode. He is gifted at that. I'll tell you another one. John Keith. He is an encourager. He, there are people who are gifted for that. I kind of like Charles. I'm always a pessimist myself. I'm always looking for the worst. Those two men I know are always looking for the best every single time. I talk to Mark. First thing he's going to give me is an encouraging word. Man, that's great. How did you do that? I couldn't do that. He's always in that space. It's just one that came to my mind. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I like how the message describes this. If you preach, just preach. God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't try to take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you encourage, or if you give encouraging guidance, be careful not to, uh, excuse me, be careful that you don't get, um, that you don't get a bossy. Was a typo here. If you're uh, if you're put in charge, don't manipulate. And if you're called to aid the people in distress, keep your eyes open and quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't get yourself irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Again, the list is not comprehensive. It's a good starting point. Is this all the gifts that God has given us ever? No way. Many of you have gifts that we will never see. That's okay. Are you a member of the body? That's your turn. Yes. Then we have a response. We need what you have available as a body for, for, for general support. I like to think of this uh, for many, many years. Um, Jennifer and I did the background uh, administration for Larry Cycle here for the LCA marching band when there was no real marching band to speak of. And the hundreds of hours that go into all the different little jobs are amazing. But if one kid has a trombone with a funky note, what happens to the whole band? Do you hear the funky note? Yeah. You do. How do you know what I'm talking about? You've heard it before. Everybody has to work together to build that symphony. And sometimes that includes people who don't even play the instruments. For a lot of years, I loaded marimbas. I don't even know what a marimba is, really. I know it's a thing you bang on it makes sounds. All right? I wouldn't know how to do it. But I know I loaded that thing, and if I didn't load it, the band wouldn't be able to play. I know I pulled some zip ties to hold some banners that were 35 feet high. And if I didn't get it done, the performance wouldn't go forward. The point I'm trying to make to you is the body has members for a reason. And every single member counts. And when you're not doing your job, the body hurts. So this is encouragement to do our job. 
Part three is love and action. 58, I told you when I finished. <laughs> Was that kind of like self-prophecy here? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I'm just going to read the rest of the passage. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Zeal is basically enthusiasm. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This one I am going to read the, uh, the little segment for the, uh, the message. I like the message on this one. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. We do that with regular attendance and regular fellowship together. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expected. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I'm so thankful. I am. I'm so thankful for the five, the six families in this room who always have opened up their homes to us as an men's group. We would not have a men's group the way we do but for the hospitality of those six men's families. So we thank you for doing a part, serving us with your hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse. I'm in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In other words, we're basically saying, God's saying here, being responsive is important. Being sensitive to folks is critical. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I'm in 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right, even in the eyes of everyone. There are things that even the unsaved think are good. Can you think of one of those real quick or two? What is, the, what, is, what is something the world thinks of that's a good, a good thing? Even if they're unchurched. Even if they don't know Christ. Can you think of something? How about feeding the hungry? Is that important to the world? I'd say it is. There are plenty of things that are good things that the church can be involved in. I think that's what Paul's telling us here. And then if it's possible, <laughs> sometimes it's not if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Is it possible to live at peace with all of them? Even Paul said there's no way. But what did he say your part was? Your part was to live at peace even if they don't. All right? And you've got to think of inventive ways to do that. I'm in 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Get him some lunch. If he's thirsty, find him something to drink. Give him a drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We did not have time to flesh out every single one of those pieces in part three. But if you look at the report card, every single verse has an attribute or a phrase or a quality 
that Paul is encouraging us to take assessment on. Assessment brings on reflection. Reflection brings on change. That's what Paul's encouragement is. That's why the report card's there. I hope that you're able to use the report card and Romans 12 to make change in our body where needed. Let's pray together. Lord, it is your word, not mine, in Romans 12 that encourages us on to greatness. But not for us, but for you. Lord, help us to live a living sacrifice, not a dead animal slaughter, a living sacrifice daily as I walk, as I move, as I talk, as I spend, as I love. For your good, for your glory, and because of you, we'll be certain to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. We will see you all next week. There is no men's group this week. It's a fifth. It's a fifth uh, Monday affair. <laughs>